there were common themes like weather. And there were other common themes, like whether you ran the ball effectively or not and how that translated to getting a victory. But putting all that aside, the biggest storyline locally of the weekend in the world of sports, not that horn honking you heard on the way out of Charlottesville heading to Liberty University Saturday afternoon when Coco Golf got it home for us with that 14-to-1 ticket. That's all you hear about our bets because we're not going to spend countless minutes or hours talking about things that don't really relate to you as a sports fan but have to take a moment to uh to enjoy it when you can no it wasn't really that it's really the fact that for the virginia cavaliers did that experience not embody what it feels like to be a virginia fan from the very well done pre-game ceremony to honor lavelle davis jr Devin Chandler and Deshaun Perry. From the end zone painting to recognizing the families to multiple opportunities to unite behind those families and what they've gone through. And there's a cold, calculated business way to say, hey, we need to move on. And I understand that you have to find a way to win games. But for all the grief I'll give the Virginia athletic department in Virginia football and trust me there's a lot to go around on the field and there's a lot to go around on how they've uh, inexplicably marketed themselves in certain spots for all of that give them credit they hit it out of the park with that tribute to those three fallen players and having those numbers essentially retired but put up together 115 and 41 Above the end zone, that would be the south end zone, the right end zone, the one that's not where the hill is. But the other one, I mean, you can't ask for something to happen any better than that for the Virginia Cavaliers. But then the way the game unfolded itself also to an extent embodies what so many Virginia fans feel. At first you're going, are they going to be emotionally flat? They came out, they fall down 14 to nothing in the blink of an eye. JMU takes the ball, goes 75 yards right down the field. Great play calls at certain times, particularly two big third down conversions, including a third down uh, trickeration play, if you will, the wide receiver pass for the touchdown to cap it off. Then Virginia, I mean, again, oh, it's going to happen, but not. The 74-yard run. For Paris Jones, it gets negated by, I think it was the right call, but by a holding penalty. Backs Virginia up. Then, a few plays later, blocked punt, recovered in the end zone, touchdown JMU 14-0. And Virginia showed so much on-field football resiliency to bounce back, to take a commanding lead, only to have the weather pop up. And, I mean, again, I'm at a game, I'm not going to be getting down on this from a sports betting perspective, but some of our online listeners, I'd be curious to know, especially those out of state, Fastly, Nedley, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whether at that moment you realized, oh, I know where this is going. Because as soon as they come back from the weather delay, JMU, which had the ball after the Virginia punt went into the end zone, they couldn't quite down it at the one. So when JMU gets it at the 20 instead, they march right down the field, get a touchdown. Virginia with the interception, the only blemish of the day for Anthony Calandra is that interception. And guess what? JMU goes back down the field again. They take a lead. Turn an 11-point deficit into a one-point lead. And they hold on to win because Calandria pass batted down. Protection starts to break down late in the game. And that is the overarching story. Yes, weather impacted Virginia Tech somewhat similarly. They came out flat. Virginia Tech did. They came out of the weather delay fairly flat. A seven-point deficit 
turned into a 17 to nothing deficit for Virginia Tech. They fought back, and they couldn't get it done at the end. And there are questions about Virginia Tech that I actually think are more relevant to ask than about Virginia as far as takeaways from the on-field. Because I said it before the game, and I'll reiterate it here. Whether you saw Virginia come out flat all game, come out emotionally charged, or some blend of it, which is what we got, and for Virginia fans, unfortunately, they got the losing end of it, it's hard to replicate that type of a performance and the emotional ebbs and flows of Saturday going forward. But it doesn't underscore the fact that if you're a Virginia fan, it kind of stinks that through all of that, through all the excitement, the chance to feel good, you feel so good until the very end. And that's where the difference between deserving to win and actually doing what it takes to win comes into play. And to his credit, Tony Elliott, who ironically, the offense was very good for Virginia with Anthony Calandria, and it started to look like, oh, so this is what they want offensively even though they didn't run the ball all that well. It looked like, oh, wow, this is what they can scheme up offensively. Through all of that, they deserve to win from an emotional standpoint, but not from a football standpoint. And at the end of the day, there is a cold dose of reality that that's how the game's played. Uh, this one hurts. It's going to hurt for a while. Um, got a football team in there that... Uh you know, battle really, really, really hard for the last 10 months to get to this point. And um, do they deserve to win? I believe so because of the people that they are uh, and what they've been through. But unfortunately, the game of football, you know, it's not a, it's not a game of deserve. It's about what you earn. And, and he's right. I mean, again, to his ever-loving credit, and a lot of the criticism has been justified at Tony Elliott with how the program went last year and how things have gone this year from an on-field standpoint. I mean, there is a level of accountability that he's trying to instill there. I think it's harder than ever in the era of the transfer portal and NIL and players, even if this isn't the case at Virginia, the general culture around college sports in general has shifted to coaches are going to get theirs, so I'm going to get mine. And we can point to countless examples of that. But to their credit, I thought Virginia played as well as you could expect, and I don't think it's off base for Tony Elliott to say that if you – want to honor the memory of players that can't play, then it's to play as hard as you possibly can, knowing that those three fallen Virginia football players will never get the chance to do that. And so you do what you can, which is to cherish the opportunity you have to play hard and therefore give it your all. Today, unfortunately, we didn't make enough plays. Uh, we weren't a, a disciplined enough football team uh, to win. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll respond. But I still believe that um, the young men laid it on the line and, and celebrated the lives of Lavelle, Devin, and Deshaun um, the best way that a football player knows how uh, to just just leave it on the field. It's not unreasonable for Tony Elliott to to say what he said in that regard. Now there are X's and O's part to this that is worth discussing. And again, the irony of ironies is in the last year in change, it was defense that kept Virginia in games including, frankly, later than they should have been in that game last week against Tennessee and for most of last season. And yet it was the defense that couldn't get stops at critical junctures of the game and uh, really came up with mistakes throughout the game uh, to JMU. But if you look at the stat sheet, they're fairly even. JMU's a little bit more balanced run pass, and I think that's what you would like to have, and that's a credit to their offense versus the Virginia defense. And timely plays when you need to make them. Virginia just couldn't get off the field on third downs, opening drive, and the last couple of drives for JMU, and those are crucial. They just couldn't get the job done when it really mattered. And give JMU all the credit in the world. I thought their fans were as classy as you could expect. They were fun. They were celebratory, but I don't think it was anything over the top for a win that was big for them. 
even though it's against Virginia, not uh, you know a bigger name program. I, I get it for JMU. This is an opportunity that you don't get. You'll probably never get the opportunity to play Virginia at home. Although never say never, given the ACC often scheduling these type of G5 teams on the road and the change in college football. And by the way, Trey, quick side note to this. I don't know if you heard it over the weekend, but I heard this on the Cover 3 podcast, and I was thinking the same thing. For teams that don't have a chance to compete for a college championship or don't want to play that type of football, and I don't think Virginia does, I understand why you would go to the Big Ten or the SEC. I get it. They probably would. Big Ten money, SEC money is great enough that you can stink in football but use it to fund the other sports about which you care. And Virginia Tech has started to do that. Virginia has always cared about the non-revenue sports uh, across the board. But I I love this for these type of teams. I mean, who in their right mind really thinks Virginia and North Carolina in the next handful of years are going to be playing for college football championships? Heck, Virginia Tech. And I hate to break it to you, Hokie fans, even though it may be more obvious than ever after the loss to Purdue. But you're not going to get these types. So if that's the case, I'd rather see regional rivalries and matchups. I I love seeing that if you're not trying to play that type of big boy football like the SEC programs are. And if you are, hey, more power to you. It's a really hard game to play. But if not, give me the fun atmospheres. Give me an environment like Saturday in Charlottesville where JMU had their contingent. Virginia had theirs. You know, it was before the rain, probably 73-27 Virginia versus JMU fans. But after the rain, it was probably 60-40 JMU fans in terms of who showed up and stuck around and stuck through the rain. To their credit, JMU did that. But I love those matchups, Trey. And it's what kind of what makes college football fun. And again, total side note, but... That was one of the other things that came out of the JMU-Virginia game this past weekend is you don't get a lot of these matchups, but when you do, cherish them because that regional spark is part of what got people into college football and frankly is one of the few things that may keep some people interested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, App State in uh, North Carolina is another good example. So uh, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's always fun to see these matchups. It's also fun to see, you know, Texas-Alabama and Texas, you know, you know, it's it's fun to see Alabama lose to Texas. So for the big matchups, yes, I I, I which, can completely which get who it. called that Trey? Yes, you can take your victory lap when we keep receipts Friday in the fast lane for our votes of confidence. Which I'm doing you a favor by holding off until then, so hopefully your voice will be back to a more recover in normal level. Um, speaking of things that everyone has to deal with, Trey has to deal with that. Hopefully, I don't, but you never know. Weather delays. Tony Elliott brought this up, but it ties into the other teams in the area, most notably Virginia Tech. But Tony Elliott, again, to his credit, um, he brought up something I think is reasonable to criticize him on as far as how Virginia handled the weather delay against JMU. And I think it was a stark reality of the teams that handled it better, frankly, had a better chance to get a victory. You know, that's that's a, a, a challenging situation to manage uh, because you don't know how long it is. And so you're trying to, to get the guys uh, refueled, rested. Uh, you want them to stay locked in, so you're, you're trying to keep them off their phones and, and keep them focused, but you don't know how long you're going to be in there with the uh, with the delay. But, you know, we're not going to use that as an excuse. Uh, we had our opportunity, as I told the team, uh, in the locker room. You know, we, we had our opportunities uh, on, the, uh, on the field, and uh, we didn't make enough of the plays that we needed to make. And uh, hats off to uh, uh, Coach Gennetti and JMU, great program uh, for winning the game, and their and their kids played hard and they battled. Uh, but when we looked at it, there were some opportunities where we could have of 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 taken more advantage of the momentum swings uh, in the game, and we didn't quite do it. Again, to his credit, he owns it, but it is reasonable to point to Virginia and say they just didn't look like they had a grasp on it. And truthfully, the teams that got the ball coming out of the out of the weather delay, 
We're at such an advantage because you could play with such a level of aggressiveness uh, and draw up game plans and, and figure out how to prepare your team and your body and your unit to handle that. And that's a credit to Purdue because they turned a 7 nothing lead into a 17 nothing lead at Virginia Tech. And it's also a credit to Virginia the, or to JMU because they outscored Virginia 12 nothing and clearly flipped control of that game before the inclement weather. And Virginia could never adjust to that particular momentum. And it's a cold reality of that. And, and yet at Virginia Tech, that's part of it, the case. And the way the weather came out, it was big. And Brent Pride, to his credit, mentioned that they didn't handle the weather delay either when he spoke on the postgame show, as you were heard, on your home for Virginia Tech football, the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Uh, you know, it was touch and go. Every 30 minutes, an update, are we going to go? Yeah. Are we not? We're in the weight room. We're in the locker room. You know, ultimately, we took pads off, went upstairs, we fed them, and we get the word that, hey, we're going to go. And... Uh, you know, I think we did the right thing. We came out pretty fresh and, and in a pretty good place. Um, but, uh, you know, hats off to the group that uh, you know, made things happen this afternoon. Virginia Tech, the weather, just not handling it as well as you could expect. I don't know all the ins and outs. I imagine that's the type of thing that uh, our guest around 535 today in covering the Commonwealth, David Cunningham of TechSideline.com, will probably do some kind of in-depth article on when we get to the off season. But how a nutrition staff and a sports science department handles a weather delay because these things are more prevalent than they've been, it seems, this year than in prior years. And the trend seems to be we're getting more of these with the wonky weather that's out there. And I'm not trying to get on a political soapbox about yay or nay with global warming. Uh, you know, I don't pretend to know enough to, to be able to comment intelligently one way or another on that uh, or even offer just a, a, an opinion of note. But... There, it appears there are more of those, and therefore that seems like the type of thing that sports science programs, from physiotherapists to nutritionists to everyone else, should try to find a way to figure it out. But the reality also is, is you continue to make mistakes like a team like Virginia Tech did, and the margin is thin in terms of the margin for error. And we've said this all along. When you're limited offensively, more on that later with the lack of run game, which is a problem now through two games, the fact that if you're going to go to Kyron Drones and maybe you need him to create a spark running the football, you almost have to go full bore into Kyron Drones and realize that maybe there's just limitations to Grant Wells that when you have everything in place, not just the skill position players, but the offensive linemen as well, that you might be able to utilize a guy like Grant Wells. But without that, you don't. And I'll look back ironically to a team like Alabama when they were in their prior heyday, um, since they obviously stumbled to start this year, but in prior Alabama years, people point to some of those quarterbacks, the game manager types, the A.J. McCarrams, the Blake Sims, those type of guys. They had NFL caliber offensive linemen plus skill position players that were able to compensate for that. Virginia Tech, they've got the skill position players, but as we've seen, they don't have the offensive linemen, and therefore it's reasonable to question the scheme that's around them, and it creates a very thin margin for error when you make mistakes like Virginia Tech did this past Saturday. I was going to add, they also don't have the depth at the skill position. They lost their two top wide receivers, and that clearly affected the offense. You add that to the fact that Nick Gallo, the tight end, who's versatile and is a good blocker, is out for the year. That you haven't, you've been dealing with injuries to a guy like Daquan Wright, who's a, a very talented pass-catching tight end, and those things add up. And again, if you have the offensive line, things can pop up. But when you make mistakes that are self-inflicted, as Brent Pry mentioned, that's going to really cost you like it did for Virginia Tech. We, we did some good things, you know, in, in all three phases. But uh, the adversity that we put ourselves in at times, 
we, we busted a signal read early and dropped coverage on third and eight. Um, you can't do those things like that. He referenced defensive mistakes, but it's not that. It's also offensive mistakes as well. We had some explosive plays today. Um, field position was, was okay. Um, you know, won the penalty battle. Sack battle was close, but you know those two takeaways, uh, you know, one was tipped, the other one was a poor route. Um, the, the one in the red zone, you know, you spot him seven right there, and, and that's the difference in the game. He's right. Brent Pry, that is. Speaking on the Virginia Tech postgame show, as you hear every Hokie game and postgame show, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and VTR in Southside 106.3 FM. And he's 100% right about that, but like with Tony Elliott at Virginia, you're paid millions of dollars as a coach. Your coordinators are paid, if not in the millions, they're paid in the six-figure range. It's your job to figure this out. It's your job to handle weather delays. It's your job to handle all the adversity that pops up. And again, there's accountability, which you like to hear, but you need more of that if you're a program like Virginia Tech. And one of the ways you can alleviate something like that, and we'll get into this from the Virginia Tech angle later this week, but it's the idea of having a viable running game and knowing what to do and how to execute and how to utilize that. Because Liberty... Uh, it, it, I was at that game as well and got there at halftime and it was a 23-17 to 17 game in the first half. Missed extra point, made it 23-17, so it's a little uncomfortable with a 6 as opposed to a 7-point lead. But Liberty has a coaching staff that has a proven track record of knowing how to control the game and understand the ebb and flow of it. And Jamie Chabwell alluded to that when... Referencing the start of the third quarter in a nine-plus-minute scoring drive that really helped Liberty seize control. Well, we challenged you know our guys there at halftime uh, that, that it was important defensively. You know, we, I didn't think we played over the well in the first half, and then offensively we. Um, we thought we moved the ball pretty good, but we, we had to finish there. And, and to be able to do that out of the gate, uh, you know, get that. Um, uh, what was what was the score at halftime? Twenty three to go up uh, to go up thirty to seventeen there right out of the gate. Uh, it was big to give us a two score lead, you know, and then it, and it shortened the game, right? They, I think they panicked a little bit from that standpoint. The key part he mentioned, Jamie Chabal, after the win against New Mexico State for Liberty, is that that non play drive shortened the game. Obviously, it does. I mean, you're taking up you know, well over half the clock in the third quarter, and you're taking up almost thirty percent of what the clock could be in the entire second half. Nine-plus minutes, you got obviously two 15-minute quarters uh, for football. It shortened the game, though. Therefore, you have a defense for Liberty that I still think there's some questions about, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say that. They gave up yardage in the first half to New Mexico State. They weren't lights out. But Liberty knew what the case was with that, and they properly had schemes in place, which I don't think Virginia Tech does with Tyler Bowen. More on that later this week. But also, the just situational awareness of how to use that running game to control everything, to slow things down, and the right buttons to push in the right situation. And that's a big advantage. And I think it's a wash for Purdue-Virginia Tech in terms of handling the inclement weather there because you had two young head coaches, Ryan Walters in his first year as a head coach at Purdue, Brent Pry in his second at Virginia Tech. But it, the JMU-Virginia game, Kurt Zanetti's been a head coach for a couple of years at JMU, and it looked like he knew what he was doing as a multi-year head coach. Same thing with Jamie Chabwell at Liberty. He's got four-plus years of head coaching experience at the 1A FCS, FBS level, plus more dating back to Charleston Southern. It showed. It showed. And the third quarter start not only 
helped shorten the game, but it allowed the defense to, frankly, not be exposed as much. I thought our defense stepped up in the second half. I didn't think they played overly well the first half. But uh, that drive, you know, really, I think, uh, one, for offensively was awesome, but two, I think that gave the defense a lot of confidence. Hey, if we can just go out and do what we're capable, they can't come back. Well, and the thing, too, is, is, is for Jamie Chowell is not only are you limiting exposures for your defense, but you're honest about that being the case. So you're not letting anybody get off the hook just because the offense ran the ball down New Mexico State's throat and, oh, now we don't have to worry about anything. And keeping that level of accountability as high as ever. And coaches talk about it, but being able to convey that to the players is the big hurdle that seems to be challenging at a place like Virginia Tech and Virginia. Whereas, And I know it's early in the tenure at Liberty, but I will revert back to past success as a head coaching staff at Coastal Carolina. But Jamie Chavell has shown that he can do that. The takeaways from all three of those teams... From the expert's perspective, that comes your way next in part one of covering the Commonwealth, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Liberty. Plus, we have not forgotten about NASCAR at Kansas. Boy, it looks like we may get a big name missing from the NASCAR playoff round two. And big debut, Washington Commanders. Wasn't pretty. Trey and I called that all the way. The point total under and the cover, Arizona. But the win for Washington... We don't pat ourselves on the back often in the fast lane, but we'll get to do it when Candy Waller joins us around 5.55 today here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and the Virginia Talk Radio Network. When we return, though, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Liberty in part one of Covering the Commonwealth.